Test pilot Tuck Pendleton wants to make history. Supermarket clerk Jack Putter needs a vacation. Jack, Sir, I'm Jack. sorry you're late. That's not good. You know it's coupon day. Lieutenant Pendleton is about to be miniaturized, placed into this needle, and then injected into this rabbit. Rock and roll. But something went wrong. And Tuck's about to get a new destination. Inside Jack Putter. Hey everybody, it's the Cannon Cruisers. I'm JD. And I'm Randy. And today we're looking at a film from 1987 called Inner Space. Directed by Joe Dante, produ executive produced by Steven Spielberg, and written by doo -doo -doo, Jeffrey Boehm and Chip Prozer. And starring Dennis Quaid, Martin Short, and Meg Ryan. Yes. I'm With appearances by Robert Picardo. And but Dick no, Miller. No, no, Dick Miller. He's in there. He's a cab driver. Oh, right. <laughs> We're off to a great start, everybody. So, yes, this is our uh, fourth film, I believe, in our series of non-canons. And this one I've never actually seen before. And I have seen before. So why don't you give us a little hint about what this one is about, Randy? Okay, it's a basically a spy uh, thriller, comedic spy thriller. Uh, in which a, um, he's an Air Force lieutenant, I believe? I think so. Yeah, Naval Aviator Lieutenant Tuck Pendleton uh, is part of an experimental, like, program where they're going to be trying out miniaturization mm -hmm. when techno-terrorists appear and try to steal the, uh, the plans, basically, for it, like, the device itself. And he just somehow gets implanted into the ass of Martin Short and wackiness ensues until the end. Mm-hmm. It basically spins out of control from there. It's it's a spy thriller twist on Fantastic Voyage. Mm-hmm. With uh, 80s comedy thrown in on the top of it. It's not exactly the type of movie I was expecting, I guess, so... And it was exactly the type of movie I was expecting. Well, you saw it already. I never did. And it's a movie that basically sticks with you when, you, when you've seen it at least once. Because it's like, I was surprised by how much I remembered watching this movie. Mm -hmm. When I haven't seen this in at least 20 years. Well, it's funny because, as I said, um, I've never heard of this one before. And I've heard of all types of movies such as this, like the one we literally just watched before, uh, what the episode we just recorded before this one, which was Explorers, which is actually kind of a 180 degree from that, but I'll get to that in a bit later. So just to do something I haven't done properly in a couple episodes, we have, as we said, uh, Dennis Quaid playing uh, Lieutenant Tuck Pendleton, mm -hmm. a... How would you call? How would you describe him? A down on his luck, uh, cocky? No, yeah, cocky uh, naval uh, lieutenant. Kind of a Dean Martin type character. Yeah, um, you have uh, Martin Short playing good old Jack Putter, a hypochondriac Safeway grocery clerk who's very Jerry Lewis, Lewis esque. You I would, would say? I would say that, yes. And Meg Ryan playing... playing these Meg Ryan playing America's sweetheart in the 80s, <laughs> Meg Ryan. She was all over the place in the 80s and 90s. Playing Lydia Maxwell, a very sought-after role. Yes, she goes back and forth between the two of them, basically the bridge between uh, the two. But no, I was actually referring to the fact that they were trying to give it to like every big-name actress of the 80s before they settled on Meg Ryan, which, like I said, is perfect. Because she's America's sweetheart, and how can you not love her? In the 80s. Yes, she's uh, everything I've seen her in in this time period has been pretty great, and this is no exception. So, Randy, since you've seen this one before, you might as well tell me what your general impressions are of it. I like it. You like it. What do you like about it? Well, that'd be more for my highlights and my and such. It's, it's <laughs> I mean, just, just an overall fun movie. It's just always been enjoyable. 
it's as you said, it's something that you've somehow never heard about when there is a steady cult classic uh, status kind of behind it. It wasn't that uh, successful upon its release, but found, really found its place in the home video market. Mm. And yeah, it's just something I had seen a lot when I was younger. It used to be on like Family Channel and such places like that. Like it had played, but for some reason it's a movie from the 80s that's not brought up that often. Like you'll see other movies in similar in the vein like Short Circuit brought up more often than this. That's kind of weird because, as I said, I've never seen this one before and I was pleasantly surprised by it that it didn't go in any of the directions I was expecting it to go in and it actually got quite strange at certain points. And because it shares a plot with some plot set up as Fantastic Voyage, you don't, it doesn't get as much uh, pop culture uh, cachet well, as Fantastic Voyage. Well, that's true too because most of those types of movies, it's always, we have to get him out by a certain time period or he'll expand and kill the host. That's usually what No, in this case, what I had left out in the plot is that they have to get him out by such and such a time because he's going to run out of oxygen and he's just going to slowly decompose in the person's body. Hmm. It's kind of the opposite of, it's usually the host body who's the pro, who's going to be at risk. This time it's the other way around. Actually, if you think about it, it kind of adds to it because Martin Short doesn't really actually lose anything if he doesn't do anything. Yeah. So he actually has to act to help someone else. Yeah. That actually helps him. Because most of the movie is because is, the only uh, sway he has over Martin Short's character is just that he can see through his eyes and he can talk to him. So he has knowledge and he can direct him on how to do things. Mm-hmm. But he can also, by manipulating uh, hormones and stuff like that, electroshocking certain parts of his body, cause him to like mm-hmm. be a little bit more aggressive, be a little bit more self-assured and confident. Hmm. He's kind of like his uh, his conscience, his inner voice that spurs him into action. He's Jiminy Cricket. So yeah, what's mm-hmm. your general impression then? That is my general impression. It was a surprising movie. It didn't go in any of the directions I was expecting to go in. And it was actually quite good. Especially considering I just said we watched a movie that was kind of the opposite of this in a lot of ways. Yeah, that's, that's the peak behind the curtains. We watched... Uh, them as kind of a double feature today explorers and then this Mm -hmm. because randy randy said there's kind of a theme one is outer one is inner Mm -hmm. and it actually is true there's even a line the villain delivers at one point where he's talking about space all that junk out there you don't want anything to do with that everything that's important is in here and sure enough that's the story everything is about the inside in this one so let's move on to Mm -hmm. your highlight of the film we're going to go with highlights? Yeah, yeah. I'm not mixing it up really this week. I'm not going to be going back and forth like I try to surprise you. Usually you try to surprise me, but in, in this case, it might surprise you to learn that I might have to think about it a bit longer, so you're going to have to go first. I like the performances. It's like... Mm-hmm. They actually I like a lot of things about this movie. I like the performances. I like the directing. The plot has a good pace. The uh, char- characters are likable. The shots are well done. The action... There's actually a fair amount of action in this movie film but not an action movie is is well done the comedy aged well because it's a lot of physical comedy yeah it's very physical like you said uh, jerry lee jerry lewis is he martin jerry lee lewis yeah that's the type it's, of uh it's actually very similar to that type of if they made a movie back in the day like this it probably wouldn't have been too different the reason we keep bringing that up is is that was the quote the one of the writers had used on dante while they were trying to convince him to direct the film when they were mm-hmm. trying that imagine dean martin but inside of Jerry Lewis. Yeah. And it actually works because it gives it a unique twist. And I think that's going to be my highlight of the movie as I was watching is I was pleasantly surprised by every turn the movie made. And I don't mean in like a subversive way where it didn't do what I was expecting. It's more like, oh, okay, that's actually a good good way to take it. I wasn't really expect you to go that way. But you did it and it makes sense for the characters. And we have to and call out the fact that the special effects won oh. an Academy Award and were Dude. really well done. 
That's another thing from the last movie, which the special effects were kind of you know, unfinished a lot of it and not all that great. But in this one, it looks really good. In fact, um, well, there's another movie around this time. I think it was Look Who's Talking where they have they show the inside of the baby. Look Who's Talking is a little further down. It's like early 90s. It's late 80s, early 90s. This because they, you know, they go into the baby. So you see it like um, being formed in the womb, basically. It's kind of like that. Only this one's actually a lot more involved. And I'm actually wondering how they manage to do such a good yeah, job. Yeah, like, at the end of the movie, there's spoilers. Mm-hmm. There's a sequence where uh, Dennis Quaid's character winds up inside of Meg Ryan's character and finds out that she is pregnant with, we presume, their child. It's, it's not presumed, it's their child. It's their child. And he is touched and it changes him. Yes, and the, and the baby inside was really, really well done. It's surprising. And then they go back into Martin Short's character and do a battle with the villain in literally stomach acid, which is, wow. I did not expect that at all. As, as I said, it, it doesn't go where you're, where you're expecting. I didn't think he was going to do that. I didn't think he was going to end up backing him and fighting in stomach. I was like, the whole time like, what is happening? Where's this going? But it was engaged the entire time, which is, like I said, it's a sign it was a tight movie and they knew what they wanted out of it. So now I have to ask you, J.D., what's your low point of the film? What didn't you like about this film? What didn't work for you in this film? Nothing? I, I, I'm not the type of person who usually says that when we do this, but I can't really think of anything I didn't like about the movie. I actually like everything and like as i said i was even watching it because we watched the other movie first so i was thinking okay maybe this will have some of the same issues as that movie but it actually has none of those issues that this one has it's very tightly paced every place has its piece everything is moves towards something and the movie is two hours and it doesn't feel like it's two hours no it doesn't and like the last movie was almost two hours and you felt it you didn't feel it in this movie at all. And that's why I, the whole time I was thinking, what am I going to say negative about it? I can't... Maybe I'd have to see it again to see something? Because I was the whole time I was just engaged. It's kind of hard for me to pick something out. So you, you have to do it first. My, You've seen it before. You, I don't have a low point for this film. There is nothing... I don't find anything <laughs> bad about this film. <laughs> which go. is going to lead me directly into my rating, which is going to surprise you quite a bit. What is it? It's a five. Oh. Out of five. I honestly think this might be one of Joe Dante's best films. It's not my favorite favorite film mm-hmm. but we'll it that. is up there with my favorite film of joe dante's it's just that i think this is an excellent film this is top class joe dante i i don't like to say like there's nothing wrong with the movie because usually you could pick something but this one is no there probably is there's probably it little probably things here and there. is the, the thing is a whole time i was too engaged by it. It did its job too well. And that's the sign of a great movie. And I would agree with Randy. And I would still give it a 5 out of 5. Because I can't think of anything like I, said, I, think I didn't like about it. I think this is possibly the best Joe Dante film. And it makes it even doubly weird that I've never heard of it before. I like I heard of the title. But I, I'd never heard anything about the actual movie. And it's really good. And it's like, as I was saying with Gremlins. Like last time we had watched Gremlins. It's like... Mm-hmm. that one as I goes on and on in life it's like my, my views change on it it's like oh, okay maybe it didn't age too well here and there yada 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 so there but Inner in Space mm-hmm. aged very well there are parts in Gremlins where, where, the, where I was watching okay this could have been you know this this is an ally great or that is an ally great but it holds, still holds up as a great movie yeah it's still it's, it's still like one of my favorite films yes but this movie here I, like I said is this movie ages well mm-hmm. it's it's there's nothing like out there that you go look at this and go this is an 80s film no it's, it's you look at it and you go wow okay this, this could be any time any place it's just um, really i don't yeah. really know what to say about it and when it comes to finding fault with it because 
as I said, maybe it's just the fact that nobody talks about the movie. Does it? That's it. Does it not leave a lasting impression on some people? I don't see how. There's a lot going on in the movie. It's very surprising. I like the fact that it's a comedy and it's a spy thriller at the same time. And he manages to weave in and out without jarring you out of it, either one of them. Which is a very hard thing to do. Because we've even had that problem with him with like the howling where it kind of goes from 0 to 10 out of nowhere with the horror. Not, that doesn't happen here. Yeah, this one here is the first Dante thing we've seen. Mm -hmm. Uh, My Explorers, I guess, too. That doesn't have a horror element to it. Yeah, there is no horror element here at all. Not even, not even at all. And it's also the only one you see that doesn't have any cartoon footage either, which is except that we have Bugs Bunny multiple times and Chuck uh, Chuck Jones. Chuck Jones. He uh, cameos in the grocery store in the beginning. So yeah, so this movie, it's as you keep saying, it's like you don't, you you've never heard of the movie, you never, you've never seen this movie. Like, wasn't in your conscious, it's not really part of the pop culture cachet, it's not really in the conversation for many people when you're talking it's Joe the Dante. Only Joe Dante movie he did in the 80s I've never seen. This movie bombed in theaters. Yeah. Uh, the They had trouble, like, they were very much behind the film. Mm-hmm. The, the studios, because, well, you have Steven Spielberg on it, you have, like, all these big-name people on it, but... They couldn't come up with a good title. Like, the title Inner Space is taken from Fantastic Voyage, where they mentioned the word Inner Space twice, but they couldn't come up with a better movie title. There isn't they, really one. They couldn't... The the poster for the film, what is that? It's a guy holding his hands, his fingers together, holding something between it, but you don't know what it is. It's a difficult movie to sell. It it's, really yeah, is. Yeah, they, they didn't know how to market it, uh, to the point where they were going to remarket it and then re-release it again, but it still bombed. Mm-hmm. So what happened is that when it went to the home video market, that's where it started making its money, and that's where it became a popular film. That's where I've seen it. That's where it went wound up on like cable, where mm-hmm. a lot of people from our generation the will have seen this film is on like cable and VHS and all that type of stuff. It's just surprising out of all his '80s movies, it's the only one like that I never seen because I never heard anybody ever mention it or talk about it. Like I said, we only. Started watching because of this series, and he said, this one's out or this one's in her, so why don't we try that? And that's what we tried, and it turned out to be a great decision. And there's also another reason why I said that it was a great companion piece, or actually this is me kind of uh, retconning this thing, Um, (laughs) why it's a great companion piece. If The Explorers, as we talked about it previously, was unfinished, like Mm -hmm. he was rushed to do it. Yeah. This movie he wasn't. Here's his quote. Uh, it's been looked back on... I'm, I'm quoting him. It's it's an actual quote. It's on Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been looked back on as if some great success, whereas in fact it was pretty much a disappointment in its day. Dante later called the film probably the movie I had made up to then that was closest to my intention. As a result, I was very happy with it. When I look at it today, I still think it's a tremendous amount of fun. Mm-hmm. So this was the movie that he was able to really get into it. Like really make it the way he had wanted to. There's also another... Another reference where he didn't have any studio interference yeah, in this one. Um, Steven Spielberg insulated him from any interference in the movie, and he was able to make the movie he wanted. Mm-hmm. Like he was able to do everything he wanted with the film and have it cut it his way, final cut, everything all the way through the film. So it's kind of the anti-explorers in that aspect. That's it. Whereas Explorers was he had interference along the way and he had to release an unfinished product. Mm-hmm. This one is he was able to do what he wanted. That's why I say this is peak Dante. This mm-hmm. is like for me, mm-hmm. the epitome of what his style is. The only thing missing is the, the one trope of a cartoon uh, playing in the background at some yeah, point. That's pretty but it, it hits all the things that he does. Mm-hmm. Um, television is in there. Uh, references to cartoons, but not cartoons themselves. Mm-hmm. Certain characters, Dick Miller, Robert Picardo. You get 
the the bending of the line between serious and uh, yeah and com- comedic. The only thing missing is horror. Then once again, mm-hmm. but like I said, it's it's very the epitome. This is pure Dante. Yeah. It may not necessarily, like I said, be my favorite Dante film. Well, it just says a lot about uh, your but, favorite then, because this is a great movie. I was really surprised. I was not expecting it to be that good. Uh, like I said, I like Joe Dante. I like pretty much every movie he's made. Even I didn't like Explorers that much. I thought it was okay. But this one, this is up there with the better, best ones I've seen of his. It's a surprise. It's like, honestly, it's like I probably look back at it and this might actually be my favorite. Maybe. We don't know. But I ha- I'd have to watch other uh, Joe yeah. Dante films to determine that. Well, maybe we'll get to them someday. But uh, for now, we're just, we're just doing this one. So <laughs> Yeah. And I would definitely say if you like 80s movies, you like Joe Dante, or you like any of the people who star in this, and you've never seen this movie because it's never been on your radar, like like for me, definitely go out of your way. And I mean go out of your way to see it. Don't just like wait for it. Like maybe, eh, maybe it'll come on some random satellite station when it... No, actually go out and see it. It's really worth it. There's a phenomenal... I don't have that one, but I know there's a phenomenal... Oh, wait, sorry, wrong film. Never mind. I was going to say there's a Shout Factory release, but there's not, actually. <laughs> Shout Factory, I know you're listening. Put yeah. out Inner Space. Yeah. We'd... Speak with Joe Dante. Put out Inner Space. We need more. I need to own like three copies of this. Like I own three copies of uh, Ninja 3, The Domination. Yeah, and uh, another thing I almost forgot to mention is in the in, in Explorers, we were kind of disappointed because like the characters stop at a certain point and like there's relationships between them that aren't developed or anything. Like I said uh, in that one about like the main character and the girl who I'm... sure they never have a single shared dialogue scene together. Not one. In this one, every single character influences the other one. They wrap around the other one. They they go in and out, literally even, with each other. And the, the thematic elements of, you know, inner self, inner improvement, and outer at the same time, it all comes together. This all a complete package. And you left out your favorite part. Which that- part? That you we were cackling about Which continuously. Uh, let's just say it has to do with forced perspective and oh, puppet arms. We haven't even gotten to that one. It's yet. like we're wrapping up here, but we have to talk about probably one of the our favorite scenes from the movie. The weirdest. scene. So our villains of the film, I don't remember their names. Doctor Margaret and mm-hmm. uh, some guy in a white suit. Um, the guy with the great accent. Uh, let me see if I can find his, his name. Not it, Mr. Wormwood. Mm-hmm. Uh. And Doctor Canker, yeah. they they get forced into the miniaturization uh, procedure, and they are shrunk down fifty percent. <laughs> so after that happens in the final uh, quarter of the movie, every time you see them, they're half their size. Yes, and it's done in a forced. And they do an way. action sequence, a quote unquote action sequence, in inside a, a moving car as they're trying to choke them, punch them, beat them, bite them, and all these crazy it's things. So out there and amazing <laughs> that they managed to pull that off. And then after all that, their their second to last shot of them is is them standing on each other's shoulders, trying to use a regular size phone as a normal person stands next to them and stares at them like, what the hell is going on? Yes. And then our last shot of them is of them in a freaking a suitcase waiting to jump out at the protagonists of the film. Yeah, I mean, there's so much in this movie and it's so weird. The movie is very overstuffed. There's a lot of things going on. Oh well, yeah, like you said, like at, like at the beginning of the movie, for instance, he's low and now he's high and confident. The villains now are lower physically. <laughs> it's like, there's so much in this. I don't know how they fit all that in, but yeah, it's definitely a complete movie. Unlike, I said, Explorers, he 
he managed to fill in everything he wanted to do. And as a result, it's probably one of his best, it is one of his best movies, and it might be his best, we don't know yet, but who knows. And like I said, it may actually end up being my favorite Dante film. Yeah, it might be. I... So, I guess with that... Go see Inner Space. Yeah, buy it, <laughs> rent it, five download five. it. It's an excellent film. Yep. Um, I'm Randy. And I'm JD. And this was another exciting edition of the non-canonical adventures of JD and Randy. I mentioned that now because I forgot to mention it at the top of the show. And we will see you next time, folks, when we continue our cruise to the non-canon catalog. That's all, folks. That's all, folks. I'm not a man. Hello, can you hear me? I'm possessed! No, Jack's got twice the problems. How you doing, Jack? But he's double the man. I am. With Tuck on his side. Kick more accounts! In his gut. <laughs> and on his case. You're not gonna back groceries all your life, are you, Jack? And only 24 hours left for Jack to get out of danger. So that Tuck can get out of Jack. <laughs> Dennis Quaid. Martin Short. Give yourself a shot of adventure. Inner Space.